We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, dojo family. I get to introduce you today with a dear and also new and instantly dear sister, Genevieve J, who is a professional performance artist. She specializes in fire stunts and Cirque style performances, and she's wild, like wild. I mean, when you take your imagining of Cirque style acrobatics and fire dancing, and then find what you would imagine to be the edge in that, meet that edge and imagine your way beyond it. Like what would the most wild, awe-inspiring, edge-pushing expression of like a professional performance artist be? That's Genevieve, okay? (laughs) And so I'm excited to bring her medicine in today because as you all know, you know, my expression in the world as a liberation artist is so much about on an emotional, psychological, spiritual level, finding where those fear-based edges are at and expanding beyond them. Genevieve, we mirror each other so much in our coding, even our like physical stature. We have a similar kind of athletic build, like this kind of like, there's a strong masculine expression in our, in our physique and in our way. And I know that we want to redefine some layers around that and what that even means when it comes to expanding beyond our fears. And so I'm excited to bring in her angle and her flavor and her perspective when it comes to meeting your fear-based edges and how to expand beyond them in real time and also bringing in the physical level and how that adds to our resilience, our sense of self-trust, our embodiment. Like when we trust ourselves to meet our edges spiritually, emotionally, right? And then we add in oh, also physically, like it all feels like one thing to me. It all mm-hmm. feels like one connected stew of building self-trust, Mm. So yeah, Genevieve is also a speaker on fear and courage and is a coach as well in these ways and can bring in creativity and artistry and what it is to really express the majesty of your soul in the form of performance and art. So Genevieve, I'm just so excited to welcome you here today and, and jam with you. And just to begin, I'd love for you to share with us how you first started getting involved with performance art and fire dancing and acrobatics and just all these like outside of the box expressions. What has your journey been like? And I, and I also want to name that in my meetings, in my time that I've spent with you so far, I've been really impressed with your range. So I feel like there's not even like enough space for me to describe the full spectrum 
of you and what you bring and the way that you orate and speak and can really meet a variety of different energies from Silicon Valley tech to entrepreneur to musicians, artists, like you can really speak the language of consciousness across the board. And so I just want to invite all layers of you, including and beyond what I've described already. So if there's anything you want to speak to just, just around how you've become you today, mm-hmm. the roots of you, I'd love to hear that. Amazing. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for asking me to be here. I'm excited. At the moment you said, I was like, yes, full yes, definitely yes. So thank you for that. What a question. Great question. Well, I started dancing at two. Two. And then at three, yeah, two years old. And at three, told my mom, okay, I'm going to be a professional dancer. And she said, sure. And then from there, kind of really started on a professional ballet track until I was about. 15 when I sprained my neck but up until that point you know I was maybe dancing three to four hours a day fully in devotion and discipline waking up to work out at eight learning about nutrition um sneaking into the gym like just being fully dedicated to this one focus and I think it was really interesting to learn devotion at that time and discipline at that time and see how that evolves because when you learn the structure and scaffolding of something, then you can really explore within it because you've trusted yourself with the foundation that you built. So I think that was really good to learn that so early. And then at 15, sprained my neck, was told I would never run again, that I would not be a professional performer, all these things. I was very, very lucky to be sort of rebuilt by a team of healers and a lot of work in physical therapy and then started on a track of learning other dance styles. And I'm so grateful actually for that moment that felt so devastating at the time, but so grateful that I learned other ways of movement and dance and that there actually is more than just being a professional ballerina. There's a lot of ways in which you can express. And that sort of led me into college where I started doing some Bollywood, actually, I saw an advertisement for uh, competitive hip hop dancers, and I was like, "Oh, fun, great!" They want for Bollywood. They wanted people who had that experience, and I went, and they were like, "Okay, so you have a performance this weekend, and we'll pay you this much." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> for what I was already gonna do, cool. And then it just snowballed so big, and I had this big. I had went to school for uh, my degrees were in design and philosophy. I I sort of not really thought that I can be anything else besides a professional ballerina. I didn't know there was really other styles and then kind of started to work in design. And then at some point it was just like, I am dancing all the time. I'm being booked all the time and I have to make a decision. And that was really scary to choose sort of the scarier path. But it was like within three months, I was like, oh wait, I can't do both. Mm -hmm. And I made a decision. And then within two weeks booked a tour in China. Wow. (laughs) Universe is like, do this. <laughs> wow. I hope you're supported. Yeah. So let's pinpoint before you keep going. In that moment, I'm sure so many people listening can relate to that like turning point moment. And I think it's important that we reflect and mm. And actually look back with as many planets as we have in retrograde right now. It's like a great idea to actually review our lives and these turning point moments and what was required within us to claim and make the decisions that we had to make that actually eliminated all other options. Like yeah. we choose our path in this lifetime that the word decision the root of it is DC day, C day, like homicide is to decide is mm. to kill, to kill all other options except yeah. for the one that you're collapsing in through your choice into form. And so I love focusing on the intricacy of a moment like, wow, I've, I've been in design school. This feels more safe. This feels more secure. And here's this opportunity to pursue my life path as an expressionist, let's just say, to not limit you to just a dancer. But like, I really felt you when you said there's so many ways to express yourself. And then when you said that, I'm like, wow, I feel the vibrancy of your soul. There's just this vibrancy of the soul. And I imagine this five-year-old, this even two-year-old, you said the two-year-old, the five-year-old, the eight-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 15-year-old, the 18-year-old, the 20-something-year-old, the college graduate with this vibrancy of spirit that just needs 
forms of expression. Yeah. So it, you named like, cause we're really kind of holding the context of facing off with fear in this right. episode. Right. So what was it? You said that was this, like, it t- sounds like one of the first really scary decisions that you had to make. And you yeah. that it was on this foundation of discipline and devotion that you had built from a very early age, which I personally relate to a lot with Taekwondo. I was training for mm-hmm. the Olympics. I started training when I was eight years old, eight to 20 at Rice University. I was training six hours a day off camp, oh, cool. full-time Rice student at Rice. So like, I really get the foundation of discipline and devotion and how we build that. And I, it's a function of passion. It's a function of what you point your energy toward that you're actually passionate about. Yeah. And so that's where the dojo comes from. That's where the name, the dojo. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's yeah. so cool. And also what a badass! like, what? Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's the dojo is the place inside of which I would go to train from age eight to 20. So the, the 12, 12 very formative years of my life. And I really resonate. I knew we were going to have some parallels and in, in just yeah. I feel like literally like energetically, emotionally, physiologically, there's like a mm-hmm. parallel. And so I really want to honor what it took to get to a place where you could make that scary decision right. toward your passion. So energetically, internally, where were you at in your level of awareness? Were you even aware of how big of a choice that was going to be? What was occurring in you in that moment? Or was it just pure spirit? (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, it's a good point that you brought up that moment because that is one of the top turning points in my life was that decision. I think sometimes the universe will whisper at us and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes it kind of screams at us (laughs) to be like, okay, you didn't hear the whisper. I'm going to speak a little bit louder. And then that's sort of when I actually was like, okay, I love design. I love philosophy. I love what I was creating. I had this whole really cool path in front of me of living in Europe. And I was just going to stay there and all these things. But this draw was coming in to just express in this other way. And especially at that time, because the one thing as a dancer, it's like when you're 23, like that's the time to do it. Go do it. It's not something to wait 30 years on. So as I felt this draw and all these things kept saying yes to this, yes to this, like all these amazing performance opportunities. And the universe kind of really made this decision where I feel like it really showed me a place to make a decision where I was offered a show on New Year's Eve or on Christmas Eve. And I was supposed to be working to design a window display at that time. And I had to choose one. If I didn't show up for one, I couldn't do the other. And I would be basically not working for either of those companies. So I had to make a choice. Wow. Yes. I was sitting with some family and someone extremely dear to me. And he looked at me and he said, if you think you can, you can. And he just started like, y'all have tears in our eyes. And he said it was such weight that I really felt it. And I was like, oh my God, I think I can. And he's like, well, there it is. Wow. I was like, whoa, wait a second. And really just tapping into like my own confidence and trust within myself. Yeah. And I think there is something to also recognizing that trust within yourself also says, like, if you make the jump, trust your own wings. And this quote that I love, I say this in Jettis all the time, that a bird doesn't sit on a branch because it trusts the branch. A bird sits on a branch because it trusts its wings. Mm. Chills. So I jump off and it's not where I thought I was jumping. I have my own wings. Okay, figure it out. Maybe I did it for a little bit. I was like, actually, this isn't working or I don't want to or whatever. Okay, then switch, right? Like you're still always within yourself able to make choices. So I think that opportunity really showed me like, I'll try it. Mm -hmm. And if you really go down the path of what's the worst thing that could happen, which sometimes is an interesting exercise and addressing fear is not to ignore it, but just to look through it. And I was like, okay, the worst thing that happens here is that it doesn't work out. And then I can still have this degree and education and passion to learn other things. Like I'll figure it out. And yeah. And then it just started being like, you know, once I made that decision that this is what I'm doing, then everything was sort of, and, you know, so quickly had a international tour book. I was leaving two weeks later to go to China. And I was like, 
Okay. So that feels like, you know, formulaic if you're in your, on your path right now, first of all, you know, this is earlier in Genevieve's journey. So I think there's value in naming these choice points, like just for yourself, just in retrospect and really honoring where you have trusted your wings in the past and made a decision, which means eliminated all other options and made a decision. And then reviewing, looking back, like, was the decision the full fuck yes and life organized itself to support me in the way Genevieve is describing? Or was it actually a decision that I made out of fear in order to preserve safety, security? And then I went down a pathway that actually wasn't for me and it didn't feel like life was organizing to support. And yet still, when I review and look back, I see that my wings worked. I see that ultimately when it came down to it, it got uncomfortable enough for me to see that I'm going to leap off this branch to another one. This is not the right branch for me, right? So for me, that was moving from like Olympic level Taekwondo training and being the athlete to having Mm -hmm. that second spinal surgery and transitioning out of the sport. And I, when I graduated from Rice, I, I went to a sports agency and I ended up becoming the executive marketing director for one of the biggest major league baseball agencies in the country and serving other athletes that were living their dreams and supporting them in endorsement deals and sponsorships and off-field relations. And I was being behind the desk was not the same as the passion I felt for being the athlete living her dream on the field, right? So I actually lived into a timeline that was not my fully aligned life path. And the journey that I took through that decision, it didn't kill me. It did hurt eventually because I was out of alignment. And so eventually I went to Western doctors and was, you know, taking prescriptions to try to augment my life force energy for anxiety and sleep and all these things to try to make this reality work. And it turned out that it was my journey of healing and resurrection, leaving that career and the healing path that I took after that for myself, that led me to the work I'm doing now. If I ultimately, if I hadn't done what seemed to be the wrong path, but looked glittery and shiny and great for my ego for however many years, but then led to a major death, an identity death. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had the school, the education of what it took to go through that and resurrect myself into my own healing work within myself, which led to my healing work that allows me to serve others. So I really believe you cannot fuck it up. You can diverge, but what you learn, the fruit, the way that your wings will strengthen, even if you took what you're calling the wrong path or the path that's out of alignment, the strength that is forged in you to get back into alignment or to get to your highest alignment is a valuable resource that can only be cultivated through the journey that you're taking that's perfect for you. And so I just want to name that like we can honor when we make those big decisions and you look back and you're like, yes, if I hadn't done that, then this, this, and this wouldn't happen. But even if you look back and you're like, wow, that actually didn't feel like, you can still look back and say, hey, if I hadn't have done that, then these other domino effect things wouldn't have happened. And if you're still stuck in a timeline where you realize it's out of alignment for you, this is where the fear face off deep internal work gets to happen for you to cultivate the tools within yourself to trust your wings enough to know that you can leap before you know that net is there into the highest timeline that's true for you. And what will happen on that pathway? We can't predict, but this is the quote Genevieve said, right? Like you're on that branch because you got to learn the first step is just trust that you could trust your wings. Even if right now the embodied trust isn't there, trust that you could trust those. That's a good first step. So I want to take us now to what was next. So you go on this path, the dance and performance journey. It's you're rocking it out. Life is unfolding herself in front of you. You are in full alignment. Now, when did you start making a careful study of fear? Like when did just classical dance or being within the, you know, box of what traditional performing artistry is, when did that start to take, when did you start stretching the edges and how does that actually look and occur in your reality? Yes. Um, And I really just want to also like honor what you just said. Like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yes. 
fully whatever path we go on. Yeah. There's always things that you're learning that will serve you in the future. Like I sometimes think of that, it's that Bollywood movie with the millionaire. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I'm forgetting the name. Um, Some dog millionaire and yeah. how he's sitting there and all of his life experience actually served him in those questions. And so That's like, he actually was like, oh, I experienced this. Like, and he was able and I always think of that scene as a beautiful metaphor for like, whatever you end up doing, all that experience will serve you. Yeah, yeah totally. So to answer this question, I was always very adventurous. I was always very like, let me try this. Let me try this. Very yes to any calls to adventure and also seeking out adventure and experiences. When I was a teenager or even sort of in preteen, I had experienced a lot of a pretty decent amount of people who were young passing away. And so it really showed me during my formative years, like, whoa, nothing is promised. Like really, but to like seize life in this moment. And that's the thing to like, just to live, like to really, really live as much as we can live. And I was like, oh, that was very clear to me early on. And so I think as I got older, I was always affected. Like as I got older, really in that full carpe diem, very much a, uh, as we would say, a full send. So, <laughs> so that was always inherent. I was always very much a yes to like, oh, let's let's try that, let's do that, let's climb that. Climbing a lot of things, <laughs> just like what's the perspective we can take, what's the new view we can take, what's the I've never done that before. And even when I was about, I think, 15, I started a tradition where on my birthday, I do something I've never done before. So I'm always starting every year with like a new, expansive, edge inviting experience. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And that way, no matter what happens, I think sometimes we put some weight into birthdays that can be really challenging. And no matter what happens, you've done something you've never done before. So that I happens. I love it so <laughs> I love it. We need some event. I want to go on an adventure with you. Like a, anytime. What are you doing today? <laughs> I was I was at a gathering last night, and Genevieve and I met there, and um, or we we saw each other there, and she was leaving early, and I was like, "Where are you going?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna get strapped up in a jet suit and and like literally rocket woman around." I'm like, "Wow! Like, please take me on any of these adventures because I also have an adrenaline junkie bone." So just know. Okay. So you, what is this edge? Cause when we were before the show, we were talking and she's like, I don't even know how to describe myself. I'm wild. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just wild. Like I did the stuff I do is wild. Like, so you were always in your come up in just your essence. You were just always like adventure junkie. So then where did you start to push the limits in your performance art? Well, I would say pretty within like a year of being a professional performer, I was at a performance and the, I was there to dance and a secondary fire performer couldn't show up. Something happened. So the first fire performer was like, Hey, would you be comfortable? She knew I was a pretty adventurous person. She was like, what if I just put fire around you and just dance? You don't have to hold it, but I'm just going to put it around you. And I was like, totally. And when we did it, I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. How cool. I was like, touching the fire. And she was like, uh, you should probably do this because the hardest thing to teach is the fear element. You can learn technique and skill and all those things, but, and situational awareness, which is a huge part of performing with fire, but the fear part is really challenging. There's this thing in performance where we call fire face, Mm -hmm. where someone's like this, Uh and you can just see that they are so uncomfortable and they have this stage smile, but But it's so clear. Describe it in, because some people on YouTube will see you, but for those (sighs) listening to audio, so some people are like, what? Like, describe the face. So the fire face is when your grin is so clearly a a face you're making from discomfort that it almost looks like a grimace. And maybe your eyes are lit up, but like you can see the fear in the performer's eyes, regardless of how professional or their technique, but they are terrified or they are so uncomfortable. And putting themselves in a place where they're not actually enjoy what they're doing versus like, I immediately was very into what was happening. And I had no technique or skill in in the fire. Amazing. Um, So that was something that the person I was with was like, Hey, like this is, you have everything to do this. And as I started to explore fire and more fire performance, I was, you know, I started to be at more performances that were more circus based or stunt based than they were just dance based. 
And from there, meeting more in the community and trying new acts and trying new stunts and, you know, talking to a pyrotechnic that's like, hey, do you want to be lit on fire? And I was like, definitely. Or uh, should we light a pool on fire? Do you want to jump in it? Absolutely. Like all these different fun things you want to try climbing a 20 foot swaying pole in the air and see what it feels like to fly. I'm like, yes. Making a friend who said, hey, I'm doing the, this immersive experience for a jet suit company. You want to come? Yes. So really being a yes to what I would hear and like any little nugget or seed diving into that. Yeah. So really recognizing opportunity and being okay. Also, the other part of it is being okay with any kind of rejection. Like I always, I'm pretty consistent on shooting my shot and yeah. being okay if it doesn't hit. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm okay with being told no. Yeah. Uh, I'll say like, hey, I would love to come. And if it doesn't make sense, no worries. But like, I'm available. Wow. But it's okay if it doesn't happen. And so being okay with rejection too. And how uh, has awesome. that always been true for you? Or is that an internal transformation that occurred over time, this, this being okay with rejection. Cause I'm, I'm like, wow, you feel so embodied to me. And you're like, yeah, I'm good either way. And I imagine for many people listening, it's like, yeah, but like how, yeah, you know, like how totally. do I just be okay with rejection? Right. Yeah. So- well, I can describe also like how I kind of got there, but also ways to get there through yeah. practice. So yeah. I think something that really helped is the years of becoming a professional dancer. Like it wasn't just, you know, yes, I did book this tour, but I came back and it was going to auditions and not being chosen. And, you know, just the, this kind of the slog, I don't know if that's the right word of like being, going to auditions all the time. So the first couple of years of being before I really established myself and now I don't audition like it's pretty rare because you need to establish community and you establish a name for yourself. But yeah, those first years of being okay with not being chosen. And I actually had a friend describe that, like, sometimes you're just not the right fit for something. And it's not about who you are as a person. It's just like, Oh, we actually just need another blonde or like, are we actually looking for someone taller or whatever it is. And that's okay. Sometimes you're the exact right fit and sometimes you're not. Yeah. And so that practice of being excited, rejected, excited, rejected. Then you start to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to come up as my best self, but I don't need to put weight into this as much. And that really helped with just kind of regulating the experience of like, it would be cool if it happened. Also okay if it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a practice without having to go to a hundred auditions and (laughs) go through that. um, This is, I also just want to compare it to anything in your life, like dating, right? Mm. Like dating or like a job that you really want or, you know, applying for, you know, some sort of like apprenticeship or mentorship that you really want. Like if there's a fear of rejection that you're in any level of avoidance of, then you won't come with your whole heart to the date to the application, to the request for mentorship or, or apprenticeship to the job that you really want. And it's ironic because we're more likely to self-fulfill the fear. If we come with half of ourself withheld, because then at least you can tell yourself, well, I didn't give it my all or well, this, this, my heart was a little closed or, you know, if you go to a, a date and your, your heart is kind of closed because you're in protection it's actually less likely that it's going to blossom into something beautiful because there's nothing to connect to there, but there's a vulnerability and coming with your heart wide open and being aware that this may not work in it. And how can I go into this state with my heart wide open and know that if it's, if it doesn't feel like a match from my side or his side, how do I not take it personally? How do I not make that about me? How do I not go in with protection? How can I go in with an open heart and love and care and intention? How can I go into this application process of any sort with open-hearted love and bring all of myself, be willing to risk bringing all of myself into everything that I'm doing? And the way Genevieve is experiencing it in her own life is through performance art, right? Like what a dojo to actually get to be like excitement, rejection, excitement, rejection, excitement, rejection. And now your system's actually trained to not take it personally and arrive into a place in your life where you're like, oh, I just bring my whole heart, my whole everything, which I feel the magnetism in that 
Because yeah. the fear of rejection isn't running the show. And ironically, because life, I believe that life will organize itself pre- to precisely bring up where our fears are, you're more likely to manifest experiences of rejection if there's a massive fear and resistance to the rejection, because life, it's not to hurt you. It's actually to reveal for you where the healing and transformation wants to happen, which is only in the aspect of you that would make it mean you're not worthy or you're not lovable or something about you. And so really honoring the work that you've done to arrive into a place where it's actually less likely that you even need to audition and less likely that you're going to get rejected because there's nothing for it to really ping anymore. And if you do get rejected, it's like, so what? It's like water over a duck's back. You know what I mean? And when I started going to like really making sure I'm only going to auditions that really fit me. So I started to just kind of trim the fat too. I was going to so many different things and I was like, wait a second, let me just do the things that actually really feel in alignment. Yes. And then I think a practice that is really useful too is to like meditate and let's say there's a fear that's coming up. And again, like, you know, fear makes the fire look bigger. Always, <laughs> always. So to have a really clear perception of how large that fire is will actually also, it is the most efficient way to approach it. Yeah. Right. Like I need to know how big that fire is truly to be able to approach, like figure out what my approach is going to be to it. And if I have fear, now that fire is bigger. I don't have a clear understanding of that. I don't have a clear perception of that fire, which wow. actually isn't as safe. Right. Wow. Well, so, applicable for any fire, right? Like, wow. Well exactly. said. Yeah. Fear the fire look bigger. So if I can sit with, okay, what, okay, this is the fear. What if that happens? feel it sit in it the discomfort of it the uh, the cringe the want to get away the whatever the avoidance the sadness whatever it is but just sitting with it with my eyes closed okay I felt that and then there'll be eventual turning point where it washes through in the mental exercise right emotional exercise okay and then if that happens what if that happens okay then what if that happens and as you go through like okay, let's say this fear, this thing that you're worried about or scared about happens, whether it's a breakup or injury or whatever these things are. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've gone through it. And eventually in my experience, you come to a place of like, and I'm still okay. Yeah. Right. So having, you know, if I ended up with nothing on a beach by myself in the sand with no money, no job, no partner, whatever that is, right. So my own wings. So, okay. Then I figured out from there and I kind of always end up through the process and up there. And there's a, once you face it, it just feels a little bit like, (sighs) yeah. Okay. So I know what happened. So I know I can handle what I could even predict to be the worst possible start, which of course, like who knows what's going to happen. Right. But yeah, that practice has been really, really useful in facing fear, letting it wash through you and over you and then out of you and you still remain. I love that. It's like really permeating when it comes to any fear-based edge in your life. This is such an important piece is recognizing that the thing that you're the most afraid to feel is one potentiality of wide variety of many, many infinite potentialities that exist on the other side of the line of you doing the thing, saying the thing, performing the thing, writing the thing, whatever the thing is that feels scary because your past reference points of who you've been, you don't actually have a body memory of having the tools to navigate that. We're actually suggesting that you're not creating the thing you're afraid of to happen, but you are willing to sit with the potential of if that were to actually occur, because I'm willing to risk being the me that's doing the thing, saying the thing, which means it's possible that the thing I'm afraid of might occur. And if it were to occur, who would I need to be to know that I'm okay, no matter what. And that just feels like 
foundational in terms of the human evolutionary process in expanding beyond your fears. And now you shared earlier that you have a formula when it comes to facing off with your fears. And I'd love to hear what is that formula? Yeah. So it's so simple. It's just literally the word fear and then broken down each letter of it. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of the easiest way to remember. And I started with sort of sharing about fear and courage just because people would ask me if they saw the things I was doing and, you know, playing with the jet suit or eating fire or whatever, jumping off of cliffs, et cetera. And so people just asked me and I sat with it and I was like, I don't feel like it's just adrenaline junkie. Like there's something else here, right? There's these, this invitation to edges that I find exciting as far as like, okay, what does it feel like to be alive? And exploration and using these experiences as exploration, right? So people just started to ask and I was like, let me break this down in a way of my own experience and sit with it and see if I can share that with other people as a useful tool. And I think a lot of it too has just come from my experience of over 10 years now in circus and stunts and all that of like also what I just use at work, right? And a lot of that is risk assessment. And there's this quote by Chris Hatfield, who's an amazing astronaut. And he says the... I don't have this quote exactly correct, but basically that the antidote to fear is preparation. Mm. So as much as you can look at risk and prepare yourself, now you don't have to be courageous for this huge giant thing. You just need to be courageous for the thing that's left after you've prepared. Mm-hmm. So the fear part is, okay, you're feeling the fear. That's your F. Feeling, yeah. And so that can be anxiety, that can be stress, that can be nervousness, that could be rage, that could be sadness, but just sitting with the, like, okay, I'm feeling something because obviously what you resist persists. So if you try to ignore that it's happening, which I have done plenty of times, I can think of something recently, right? It was in a full resistance. That's not happening. I'm fine. And it got way bigger. Wow. Sit with it. And I was like, oh, that exploded. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I still do this all the time. It's still a work in progress. Can you be more specific about? Oh, um, it was an emotional experience to be clear. Nothing exploded. I know I work with fire. So sometimes I have to be aware of the metaphors I use. Uh, Work-wise, everything clear. But this was an emotional experience where I was feeling a lot of discomfort. And I try to be like, I'm fine. I can handle it and perform my way through it. And I actually was just like, no, this is not okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. And once I started to sit with the not okayness, I was able to actually find tools to navigate it because now I could perceive the fire versus making it this huge thing that I was just going to try and ignore. Well, I think that's just so important to sit with in name because I know we've all, myself included, had enormous um, like emotional uprisings, you know, mm-hmm. things that are actually occurring that are like our, our biggest fears happening in our lives, whether it's like you know, a heartbreak or the death of a loved one or whatever it is for you, loss of a job, like these big life moments, you know, eating on you. What is it where you're just like this big emotional trigger coming up Yeah, and then having the experience and just tracking where parts of ourselves just want to shut down, protect, resist, pretend it's not happening. Like, you know, just not actually like collapse into it. Into it. And I love, I love this quote you're saying that fear makes the fire look bigger. And so if we're in fear, you could also use the word resistance instead of fear, because resistance is a function of fear. You're resisting what you're afraid of. And so in resistance, if you do look at the fire, it's like you're gonna make up the story that it's even bigger and even worse than it is. But once you actually die into it, it will be uncomfortable, it will be painful, but you can see the fire more clearly. And the gift in that is you may even be able to see yourself more clearly in that it's not as bad as you thought. You're not actually dying. You can be with yourself at this particular edge that you didn't think you could. And I feel like there's such an evolutionary gift in that. Absolutely. And even from this like logical, tactical perspective, it's like I can address it now, whether it's this emotional fire or an actual fire. Now that I know its size or where it is or what it is, I'm like, okay, now I know what tools. Okay, well, this is why you require a coach in this, or this could require a this size extinguisher, whatever it is, right? Like I could actually 
approach it when I have a clear perspective of what it is. So even in just ways of addressing it and that like, it'll be easier to address and move through it quicker, which ultimately the avoidance and all that is trying to like, I don't want to have this unpleasantness. And it's like, you actually get over the height of unpleasantness faster when you can address it clearly. Yeah. So the F is the feeling. So like feeling that you are feeling the stress or the anxiety or the resistance, whatever it is. And like sitting in it, that discomfort, but knowing that the sitting in it will help you move through it faster. And that's usually like sometimes the only nugget where you're like, oh, I got to sit in this, but that will, I can get to the other side now that I've started walking. So then explore yeah. is the second one. That's our E. So F E for fear. So E is explore. And so what that looks like is writing down all of the fears. So one example is that like, okay, you're fire eating or you want to try fire eating. (laughs) And so you write down, I'm worried about burning my face. I'm worried about looking stupid. I'm worried about if the wind changes, I'm worried about all these things. Or maybe you have a conversation with a partner coming up that you're really nervous about. So maybe you write down, I'm worried they're not going to understand that I love them still as I speak this. I'm worried I'm not going to be understood. I'm worried, like just all of the concerns, just write them all out. Really just on the page, just all of the things. And that's the exploration. And I actually find journaling, this is really, really helpful. But whether it's something tactical for work or if it's an emotional experience, but whatever the fear is that I've felt now to explore is write down all the things that I have concerns about or worries about. And as unlikely to as most likely, whatever, doesn't matter. There's no judgment here. It's just that it's sort of a release, right? And so that's your E. And then your A is assess. So now that I've written down all of these fears, let me see what I can actually do for the things that I've written down. So for fire eating, okay, learn about the wind. So hire a coach in this who knows what they're doing. You're not going to put fire in your mouth. I really don't recommend that. Hire someone who knows what they're doing and can teach you. But they'll teach you about the wind. They'll teach you about your fuels. They'll teach you about how to prepare your mouth, which is, you know, you don't put anything in it. You're just putting fire in your mouth. But like, make sure your mouth lips are wet or whatever that is, right? So you prepare for all the things you're worried about. And, or if it's the conversation with your partner, okay, let me learn their love language. I'm concerned they're not going to feel love for me. Okay. Now I know that the question of love language, let me make sure that I'm saying this in a way that feels good for them. Oh, they really love physical touch. Maybe I can give them a massage while we're talking about this. That would be nice. I do well when I receive a foot massage when someone talks to me. So whatever that is, right? Like you can start to address these different things. Oh, I know my partner really receives this languaging well, or maybe I'll watch a video on nonviolent communication or whatever these concerns are. You start to address each of them. So when you've done that, now you've taken something that felt this big. And now that you've kind of prepared for all these other things, now the part left is this big. And that's just much more digestible. So now this little bit left is the courage bit. You don't require courage for all of it because you've already prepared and done the things that are like, okay, let me make this easier. Now it's just the courage. But now it's the, uh, my coach, when I was learning how to fire eat, I was like, okay, I learned all these things. I felt prepared. I felt excited. And I was like, okay, what do I do next? He's like, put it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, are you sure? He's like, that's literally the only thing left. You're covered everything else. <laughs> yeah. You just have to do it. You know, and that's, that's your little jump, but the jump isn't so big. It's not the, it's just a, okay, that little last bit of courage. And so we can be courageous for something that's digestible. It's much easier to approach. Mm-hmm. So then that R is that after we've assessed all the things, it's the reassess and like what's actually left that I want to find courage for. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the feel, explore, assess, reassess. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a formula that you can use, whether it's emotional or mental or physical or whatever it is making that fire like the actual size that it is and being able to perceive it and now you're like okay I've prepared for all the things I can prepare for obviously there's things that I won't be able to know but I'm available to have the courage to make that jump now that I realize the gap is this big not this big I love that I love that what's such a beautiful way to kind of like reduce the perceived gap in readiness and then when the finally comes, it's like, okay, it's actually, I'm going to reassess. It's actually not as scary as I thought. And now the thing is just do it. So I'm curious, are there any moments that you remember where the thing you were afraid of 
actually happened. And you then had to meet yourself on the other side of it. Cause I'm, I'm imagining, you know, I myself have had, you know, scenarios over the last year where I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm literally in the lived experience of the thing I was the most afraid of. And that I watched myself protecting from for so long. And yet here it is. And yeah, it's hard. And also I'm okay. And there's pain in that, but there's also so much expanse in that there's such a coming out the other side of that fire with more trust in myself than I had before, because the me before, for example, going through a breakup, right. The me before the breakup was in protection, didn't want to believe that it wouldn't work out, was trying to control in certain ways, was feeling insecure. Like there's like layers there that created a desire to try to control it because I was afraid of the heartbreak of it not working. And then arriving into the reality where I got to see, oh, this relationship for the long term is actually not in alignment. And now here I am the identity that was in protection, having gone through a total death process, right? Cause she had to go through the experience of like the thing you were protecting yourself from here it is now. And is the dragon actually as big as you thought is the fire actually as big as you thought here right. going up in all the ways. And so there's, it's this irony because sometimes actually experiencing the things we've been the most afraid of I'm finding that we grow more through, we actually, the strength is actually in the like lived experience of gaining the knowing that you have the tools to be with yourself in the no matter whatness of life, not the, I can be with myself and everything except for that, anything except for that, not that, because then you're living your life like with iron claws on the home, the relationship, the job that will make sure that everything I'm cool, except for that. If that happens, no fucking way. And from an evolutionary perspective, I really believe that whether you need to actually experience the thing you're most afraid of or not is up to life, but at least on an energetic level, knowing, cultivating the tools to know that you could be okay. If the thing you're afraid actually happened feels really, really valuable because I feel myself going, all the iron grip releases. And that's where I now having gone through, you know, the thing I'm the most afraid of, I'm like, okay, like who I am in relationship is different. They're not so afraid of the feeling of loss and heartbreak. I don't prefer it. I don't desire it. I would love to be in the union and partnership that goes the full distance. And if you're in resistance to it, not going the full distance, it very likely you will need to release, right? And cultivating the tools in the face of the thing you're the most afraid of feels really important. So I'm curious in your own life, Do you have any examples where you were like, no, not that. And you saw yourself in protection and you're like, fuck, not that fire. I don't want (laughs) to face that fear. And then you find yourself actually in the thing that you were the most afraid of. So how has that occurred for you? Oh my, so many ways, so many times and such a great lesson. And I think about, so I took sailing in college and the first day you take your swim test and then the very first day after you take your swim test, you have to capsize the boat. You have to capsize it and you have to learn to flip it back and get yourself back in by yourself. Wow. And I always thought that was so brilliant. (laughs) Such a good idea. And so now like, that's, I think the feeling, the fear, like moving through the thing, like put the fire on your hand and feel see what it feels like to be burned. And then you realize like, okay, I survived that burn. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, oh, just to speak to that, because that iron grip is like literally per se. And I remember being told, I was like, I don't know if you weigh enough to flip the boat back over. So good luck. Mm-hmm. You might not get back in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but that experience of flipping it over was so important. And I'm so grateful because also just as an example, as this metaphor of capsizing a boat is that when you go to capsize a boat, like a small little Zephyr boat, that when you go to, um, I think that's what it's called. It's been a while. But when you go to flip, you're tilting the boat, you're tilting the boat, you're tilting the boat. You're so terrified. Oh my gosh, I'm going to flip upside down. It's going to be this huge thing. But actually to get a boat to hit the water, if this is the water, it's like, it has to be like here until, and then you just go, whoop. Uh-huh. The only distance is like 10 degrees or something because you yeah. have to wait for the boat to flip and then the water's here, right? 
Right. And you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad at all. Right. Wow. So I think like to speak to that experience of, oh, actually I can handle this. Actually, it was a good, like to go through the experience of feeling the fear and doing the thing that you were most scared of, you find that you're okay because you have your wings because you're with yourself. So I mean, certainly when I had dedicated from basically three years old to 15, all of my free time, all of my experience, waking up early to work out when I'm 11 and then going to school and then like eating like the healthiest any 11 year old has ever eaten. And then all these, like spending so much time on this one track and then getting hurt and laying there. And I was immobile for a while, pretty much. Like I couldn't move my head at all. I, I couldn't get out of bed the next day. And to be so embodied and so expressed in my athleticism and experience of dance, and then to not be able to move. Yeah. And especially as a 15 year old being like, you know, you don't have the breath of like, Oh, that I have all these options and experience. I was like, this is my whole life. And now I can't move. And now, you know, at 15 to not be then continue to train as a ballerina to be a professional ballerina. That's the, those are pivotal years. Yeah. But looking back, I have so much gratitude for that experience because my life expanded into so many other ways. And I'm so grateful that happened, actually. Yeah. It's a release the grip. Like you said, the iron grip of like, I have to be a professional ballerina. I have to be a professional ballerina. And when it relaxed, I was like, well, I can be anything I want. Yeah. Okay, cool. So now I'll just try a bunch of cool things that I enjoy and we'll see what happens. And I'm so grateful for that experience. So that was a big fear of, oh my gosh, loss of my ability to perform. And it actually turns out like, wait, this was the biggest gift you could have had. And now I was able to, you know, move differently, eat differently, spend time trying new things. And I still was dancing like four hours a day, but hip hop and all these other different ways that really, ex- I was finding so much expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that physical space, I would say that, and that like, you know, oh my gosh, this is my dream. If I don't have this dream, who am I? What am I? What do I do with my time in my life? Yeah. And there's a thousand things that I experienced and did and tried. And to be where I am right now, where I flew a jet suit yesterday and ate five the night before for a huge performance and designed the show and danced with drones a week, you know, two weeks ago or whatever it is. Yeah. It's because I released the grip that you described on what my dream looked like. Yeah. And just allowed it to unfold. Mm. Yeah. so important to <laughs> that and and it both comes from a deep trust in life and the deep trust in life also comes from those kinds of experiences mm. so it's like what's first the chicken or the egg you know so whether you're in that experience it's important to recognize like wow I'm in that kind of experience like the thing I'm afraid of is here it's creating a deeper trust in me and life. My field is opening to more potentialities than I could even imagine through this passage. And as you develop that trust in yourself and in life, then it's like, if the thing occurs that you're afraid of, you can lean in back into that and just know there's perspective and there's knowing that's a function of a gnosis that happened before the knowing was there. But it's like that gnosis that's just embodied knowing most of us, I can't say every one of us, it can just be like a spontaneous gnosis. I imagine I'm, I'm all about limitless possibilities, but most of us have some sort of pivotal experience, like the one you're describing where you, you got, you hurt your neck after, you know, at 15 years old. And like that opened up the potentialities for you that you never, it's like the thing you're the most afraid of that you never would have opened, right? That kind of experience created the reference points in you that like, okay, if the worst case scenario occurs, like I know it will serve the highest because it happened then. And then it happened then, and then, and then, and then you start to track the pattern But we have to actually live the pattern of the embodied experience of life happening for you in order to move that out of concept and into knowing. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really feeling your experience of that and how valuable that's been, especially as a fire dancer. When we were together last time, Genevieve told me, yeah, if you were coming to this show, I would set your tongue on fire. And I was like, wait, (laughs) what? (laughs) So, right. Like she did just the confidence in her that she can safely bring not only herself, but others to their physical edges is really, it's really inspiring to me because I work so much on the emotional psychological, spiritual levels. 
and, you know, I have the physical level, I think for myself as an athlete and an adventure junkie, but in my work, I don't as often work with people on the physical level. And I really see you doing that. So as we start to kind of land the ship of this episode, I do want to invite you. I'm curious about that. Like your mm-hmm. work with people on the physical level, bringing them to their edges of fear, whether it's like setting hands on fire, or tongues on fire, those who are untrained, who haven't, you know, done this type of work with fire before, but you're actually using fire and work with fire as a like consciousness expansion tool through the physical experience of doing something you've been so afraid to do. And I would like love to have you come to a live liberation dojo. We should collaborate on that front to a live liberation dojo and actually have the experience on a physical level. So what have you seen in people you've worked with that has impacted them? Like how does the physical level experience of experiencing a fear, whether it's cliff diving or flipping a boat over or, you know, lighting your, someone's tongue on fire. How does that translate to their experience of themselves emotionally and spiritually and confidence on the other side? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, you know, I'm still available to light your tongue on fire. So let me know. I'm in. in. (laughs) We should definitely film it and post it. Okay. Okay. Oh no. Now I'm really in. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do it. I'd be down to add that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So tell me. I believe that when people are in a place of awe and wonder, it really expands our perception. And so I like to work from that place. You know, when you go to a comedy show, like you're available to be teased by the comedian, right? You're in the front row. You're like, okay, let's do it. Versus if you're on the street and someone started teasing you, you know, and you'd be like, I don't, what is happening? Right. So I think that when we're in a place of like performance and there's an openness to the experience and awe and wonder show us what's available beyond what we thought was available. Right. Like that's the whole thing. When you see a Cirque du Soleil performer do a flip and you're like, I didn't even know that was possible for a human. I didn't know that could happen. And so when you think there are things that are beyond what I perceive as possible, now you're open to like, okay, how does it affect every other part of my life? To me, at least. So when I see like something that I didn't think was possible physically, it reminds me like, okay, that person had to imagine beyond what was possible to even create this, right? That didn't just happen from nowhere. They said, oh, I wonder if I could do this. Mm-hmm. And I've had that experience too, right? When I'm creating an act, I'm just like, I wonder if we combine this and this, is that even possible? So that also opens the third door this is an incredible book by Alex. He's amazing. Uh, but that opens the third door, right? Of like, there's something that I can even imagine to be true that could occur if I open myself up to the possibility that there's more than just choice A or B. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this opportunity arises, I think, in a performance space, in a place that is like, okay, we're here for the awe and wonder. We're going to experience something together that is visceral and exciting and definitely brings you right into the present moment. Like when you put fire on, people are like, what? There's a reason we all go towards the, you know, if someone has a fire circle outside, right? Everyone just sort of congregates to that place. We are drawn to that. So it's just, it's a tool for like right here, right now, we're alive right here, right now. Hmm. And we're going to feel this thing. And I think that visceral reaction of feeling that heat or being a part of that really lands all of the words because we can discuss all these beautiful things and people can feel that and experience it. But then to really put it embodied into form is like, oh, right. I would never have lit my hand on fire. I just had this experience of discussing courage, all these things. I feel that I am here and I did that. Mm -hmm. And so you also are proving to yourself when you are doing something embodied, that that courage resides inside of you because you made the decision. You put your foot off the ledge. You put your hand out to get lit on fire. You put your tongue out to be available. And so I think there's something really powerful about an action. Yeah. And so inviting people to be in action and to be in like, you know, like Tony Robbins says, people walk on the coals or whatever that is, right? It's like you have all these things that you felt and heard and experienced and like, what does it feel like to do it? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's everything. There's such a, a sovereign choice point. And when you really not only just do it because you think you're supposed to, or you're at a show, but you actually like 
invite yourself to hold it as an opportunity, as a choice that you're making to expand beyond a space within yourself on a physical level, but it also translates to an emotional, spiritual level that you've never been. Like I'm a thousand percent, as long as we can schedule it to get, have the experience with you of having my tongue lit on fire and feeling, I want the experience within myself of feeling, what does it take inside of me to say yes to that? I can feel the little bit of resistance in there. I'm like, oh my God, like, what are the possibilities that we mess that up? <laughs> like, what would happen if we mess that up? Right? Like, yeah. I really like my tongue. I love <laughs> food and kissing and, you know, like really it comes in handy and ideally I keep it. And, <laughs> right? but so it takes something, there's something that it takes to make that choice. and. Right. Why would one make that choice? For me, it's like, wow, this is a novel experience. I trust Genevieve and her capacity to facilitate this experience for me. And now I have a reference point within myself of a deeper trust in myself, a deeper trust in Genevieve. And really like, I've actually had a fascination with fire myself, like, you know, working like I'll try to touch it and move it and play with the, you know, simply yeah. like the lighter or like a bonfire. I like, I like to yeah. play with the fire, with the energy of fire. And so getting into a deeper relationship with fire. And I really believe like it can be either a peak experience, like a story to tell, Oh, I, I lit my hand on fire or my tongue on fire. And it was a performance mm. or it can be a consciousness expanding experience of like, wow, this is pushing the limits of what I ever thought was possible on a physical level, which expands my frame on life in general, like mm-hmm. kind of blows up any idea that I think I have of what's possible already. And yeah. I actually really like that. So I would decide to do it because it would help to expand my ideas of what I, my human identity thinks is possible on a physical level and physical matter is the most dense, you know, so I actually have experiences that blow my mind out of the water. Yeah. It's possible on a physical world level right. expands my way of being into more of a limitless way of right. being. I believe I don't hold physical world reality and physical matter as fixed and set, which actually allows that, which is matter and seems to be fixed and set to open and expand and move. I start to have more experiences in my life that are phenomenal and awe inspiring and like blow my mind, like burning man all over (laughs) in my life. Right. It's a reminder that you're a superhero. Yeah. And that's why I like love these moments because I've had people reflect to me like, I had a friend who was going through a breakup and I had done the fire thing for it. She's like, and then I reminded myself, like, I just ate some damn fire. I can do this. And I was like, that's right. Yes. Like a reminder that you are a superhero and regardless of what, if you beat the fire or not, but it's just a point where you can reference it in your life. Like you mentioned all the times where you chose something and it was actually, you did the fear and you lived the fear that you were worried about and you move through it and you look back and you're like to remember, yeah. I'm a superhero. Like I was able to face that and go through these challenges. I've done it before. I can do it again. I have the wings to do that. And so there are these moments like that where being having your tongue lit on fire or I have friends, you know, I was going through something, a very large breakup. And I had a friend say to me, you just flew a jet suit. You yeah. can do it. And I was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That's a good point. So it's like, it's a reminder that we have courage and a reminder that we can live in this magical space of like, you know, literally the magic of like what is beyond what we think is possible. Mm-hmm. Right. That's saying that, that that fixed reality, like not being actually what it is, but you can play and dance within it more than you could even imagine. Yeah. And so having these like physical reference points, of like, oh yeah, that's right. I moved through something challenging and something I was totally, extremely terrified and I'm still here and I'm thriving. So I can do that again. A thousand percent. And I know Genevieve and I both are here to stand for limitlessness. We're here to stand for the like enormous breadth of human potential. And so, you know, we're here for that inside the dojo ecosystem of transformational containers inside, you know, Genevieve's way of being the performances and the coaching and the speaking and everything that you invite just 
through the way that you express yourself on the planet at this time. And so I'd love for you to share, are there any shows, performances, opportunities for those who are listening to connect with you, either see you live or work with you one-on-one. So if you have a website or anything you'd love to share, I'd love for you to um, share that now. Thank you. Thank you for such beautiful words. And I just, I really receive it all. So the main way to reach me is on my Instagram, which is Genevieve J presents, uh, J-A-E for the J. And that's really where you can see a lot of what I do. If I have any performances that are public, I do a lot of like private and corporate experiences. But um, if you want to reach me for to see if I have any public shows there and also for any bookings for speaking or for these like fire uh, experiences, whether it's a performance mixed with speaking about courage or whatever that looks like. And I also produce uh, circus shows. So moments to bring awe and wonder and presence. And I have probably over a hundred different styles of acts that I've booked and that are available. So there's all kinds of ways to bring people into presence, awe, wonder, and courage. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Mama, for being here. And I just feel really grateful for this blossoming sisterhood, our friendship. Mm-hmm. And also the ways that we mutually inspire one another and everything you brought today was absolutely a source of incredible inspiration and invitation for myself and all of us to look at where our fear thresholds live and expand beyond them. So thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. here. And also to all of you who are listening, I appreciate your presence and your care, your heart and your depth of receiving every single time I can feel all of you non-locally and, and that the huge heart, the space of receiving that you're all bringing. So thank you for being here. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at zaharazimring and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.